Welcome to CTSNet to Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTSNet2Go. In this podcast, you will be exposed to one of the roundtables that will show you what surgeons today are talking about. Hello, my name is Dr. Shanda Blackman from Mayo Clinic in the United States, and I'm accompanied by Mia Lechtinen from Finland and Megan Helder, who's here from the United States as well. And we're happy to talk to you about the role of women in cardiothoracic surgery, factors that are important to us as we enter the field, things that we consider as we're considering whether we want to do congenital, adult cardiac, or thoracic, and how we see mentorship as a really vital role to our development, and how you as a team player can help us to do better and encourage others to go into this field. So we'll start by asking Mia, what do you think is one of the most important things that we can do as we encourage women to consider a field in cardiothoracic surgery? Well, I think the infrastructure there has to be first really well balanced. Mm -hmm. uh, I encounter many residents who say that they are so lost in their training, they don't know who their mentor is, and they don't have anyone whom to talk to, and that doesn't really encourage anyone else to enter the field. It also applies for men, of course, it doesn't only apply for women, right. but it's, I think the infrastructure that you have in this really demanding field, someone you can actually talk to, and someone you can ask for advice and so that you don't every time have to look for who is that person, but you would have someone who is really there. I think mentorship's key, and it doesn't matter if your mentor is a man or a woman. If you're a woman interested in the field, grab a mentor. It's yeah. a two-way road. Yeah. You have to do as much as they have to do. Make sure you engage them, and don't be afraid to approach people and ask them to mentor you. Wouldn't you agree, Megana? Absolutely, and I think the other thing I'd add to that is I don't think it only has to be a surgeon. I no. think we're very... Um, fortunate in our field, be it thoracic or cardiac, that there's great cardiologists and great um, oncologists and pulmonologists um, that really can help us through our career, whether it be publishing papers or really introducing us to people or understanding you know, the material better. So really reaching outside of just our surgical enclaves. But yeah, mentorship is quite important. <laughs> so we're interested to hear what you have to say. What kinds of questions do you have for us, Mia? Actually, the first one is about exactly mentoring because it's it's like uh, in Finland, for example, it's it's really encouraged that there would be a system, but it's not really it's not so organized yet. So people really don't know how to do it. If is there some sort of a structure how it works out? If a new resident enters the hospital, does he or she get the mentor immediately or? Yes, at Mayo Clinic, when someone starts, they're assigned a mentor at the earliest level. So when they come into general surgery, they have a mentor assigned to them. When they start cardiothoracic, they also have a mentor. But then a lot of our residents end up partnering with other attendings yeah. and other consultants that they have common interests exactly. with, and they'll do research projects with them. And frequently, if it goes well, they continue to work with them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my assigned mentor is somebody that I really, you know, kind of just 
felt made me feel at home initially, but really we didn't have very much research interests in common or even clinical interests. And so I think each of us really finds, you know, the one or two or three uh, people that we have the most in common with, yeah. um, whether it be just a personality or a research and clinical interests and really grow close to them that way. Would you have then like regular sessions, like scheduled sessions, or is it more like yeah. come and go basis? <laughs> so the curriculum, um, I guess, quote unquote mandates, and I don't mean that to be in a bad way, but it, we make sure that there's meetings between our assigned mentors uh, every six months at least. And on top of that, also our program directors. Um, but I mean, I would say that I meet with my mentors, especially this year when I'm looking for a job and you know, just a lot of life changes. I'm meeting with them every few weeks, if not That's sooner than that. And it's you know, it's the informal meetings that are the best, right? So you meet them in the you know outside the OR, say I need five minutes, or you know, Dr. Uh, one of the one of my mentors called me for three hours on his way out to somewhere as I needed some advice. So I think it's really the informal relationships that are the best parts of the mentorship. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. And that brings up an important thing, which is at the women in thoracic surgery meeting, we had one of our speakers talk about the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really critical, especially for women, not just to have mentors, but to have sponsors. People that put you on the program, if they're on the program committee, people who get you a job, yeah. <laughs> people who go to other people and talk about you in a positive way and promote your career. I think when I look back at my career, I think I don't, I'm not sure that I would have had the same trajectory if I hadn't had sponsors who were putting me into the positions that I wanted to be in, if they weren't advocating for me and actively helping to push me where I wanted to go. Exactly. I think it's really important to have sponsors. Was it easy for you to find that kind of sponsors or did you have to struggle a lot? I think if you're, I think if you're proactive and you send emails out letting people know that you're interested in becoming engaged, one of the worst things that I see as women try to achieve recognition and move up the ladder and go towards that glass ceiling is they want to be promoted. But what I always tell people is do the work. And if you do the work and you ask for someone to help you, they're more than happy to help you. What you don't want to be perceived as, as someone who's sort of whining or complaining or, you know, nagging. You want to go in, work as hard as you can, do as much work as you can. For example, in the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, I was on committees for 10 years before I got a leadership position. Yeah. I think it's really important to do that work and to be willing to get unrecognized for a really long time <laughs> and be in the background and work hard. Like on yeah. women in thoracic surgery, women are frequently on those committees doing that work without getting a lot of thanks for seven or eight years before they actually get put up for leadership. Yeah. So it's really important, I think. Yeah. That's the yeah. main role. Definitely. Yeah. When you were uh, considering becoming a cardiothoracic surgeon, both of you, did you have to like go through the thinking process many times before you were absolutely certain that yeah maybe I could actually do it. <laughs> I uh, I'm one of the I'm very stubborn <laughs> I guess yes. most people will tell me. So I decided to be a cardiac surgeon when I was an eighth grader. Um, I started shadowing surgeons and I saw a 
two-vessel bypass, and that was it. I was done. <laughs> um, so, you know, since then, I've obviously found reasons that I love the field. Um, but I, you know, I'm very thankful that I've had very supportive people with me the entire way that I never really doubted could I do this, and perhaps I should have, but the, the <laughs> kind of blind uh, stubbornness, Intention, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But... <laughs> And you didn't encounter any mistrust or disbelief when you were saying that you want to become a cardiac surgeon? I think I, you probably ignored it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually That's had this good. very conversation with my husband the other day. I really, um, I really don't feel that I've encountered all that much sexism thus far mm -hmm. in, uh, in where I've come. And I think I have to be a bit careful as I perhaps reach for the, the higher leadership roles and whatnot and not, you know, nothing overt or nothing ill-meaning. But I think purely people, just there's not that many of us in this field. And I think, um, it, you know, just being aware of that and most importantly, I think for me, as now I'm graduating from my training, just being a good mentor for younger trainees mm -hmm. and, um, you know, trainees as I'm on staff yeah. and just kind of being aware um, and being available, I think is the most important thing that I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are so many opportunities out there. And I think some of the ways that women get discouraged are almost microscopic and really difficult to detect. Yeah. For example, when you're on a panel and they address everyone as doctor, doctor, and Shanda. <laughs> <laughs> or when you're moderating something and they think that you're much younger and they call you a resident, but you've actually been out in clinical practice for eight to 10 years. <laughs> or when you're looking at putting people on a panel session for example, yesterday we had the uh, career work-life balance yeah. panel, and it was all white men, yeah. and it was a it was really a diversity, and it was really about you know promoting you know minorities and promoting women, but yet even in that session, you know the movie that's played at the EACTS, you know you really want to make sure that you include people, you think about people, and it's our job to get out there and remind people yeah. we're there. Don't ignore us. We'll do the work. We'll work just as hard. Right. And we're just as smart. Hopefully, maybe even sometimes on occasion, <laughs> some are smarter. It's really a good opportunity. We yeah. should be considered for everything. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, th I think it, it is in general, and I know this is very much a stereotype, that women have a harder time selling themselves right. than men do. And I think that's really, you know, that perhaps comes across as a lack of ambition, but I think it's more just, you know, am I good enough for this? And I think we think about that a bit more. Yeah. Um, and uh, that needs to be something that, it, you know, that's okay, that we need to promote, that it's okay for women to go after those big jobs or those big opportunities, that you're right. ready. Exactly. So I'd say, like, for leadership positions, recently the STS was looking for people to be nominated for leadership positions. So we sent a message out to all the members of Women in Thoracic Surgery, are you interested in any leadership positions? And several women, like 10 women, came back and said, yes, I'd like to be on this committee, or yes, I'd like right. to be on this committee. And so I sent in the world's longest reference for who I think should be on what committee of all the women that responded. And then we're collecting a list of 
women, what they're interested in, what they feel comfortable speaking on, and then we'll submit that to program committees as they're looking for potential speakers or moderators, and they it, it makes it harder to forget them. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I think it's the best thing you can do is try to find a positive way to promote women yeah. and not a negative way. Yeah. Don't go back and Monday morning quarterback how this session was run or that session was run or they should have had more women. Right. Just start trying to turn the tide by encouraging more. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think as well. Have you, well, quite many times if I tell them I would be interested in cardiac surgery, I hear that it's physically so challenging that maybe a woman cannot do it. Have you ever noticed that there actually would be something that you cannot do because it's so physically challenging that the man has to do it? I would say that's a farce. I think any woman cardiac surgeon would argue to the contrary. I think anyone telling you that is just naive, and clearly they need a little bit of education. Right. Yeah. Good. Agreed. That's the nicest thing I can say about that. <laughs> no, I can imagine that it can be, that if there is a really, well, let's say quite obese person, which there quite often are with yeah. who go to cabbage, and you have to close the sternum, so it may be problematic. but. I don't know if there's like, is it that big a deal really that you cannot really I think close the sternum? I I've never met a sternum I couldn't close. <laughs> exactly. I, that was it, one of the surgeons who was a non-cardiac, non-thoracic surgeon when I was first starting out saying, can you really open and close the sternum? You really think you could do that? And I just rolled my eyes and walked away. But, you know, I really think it's just about technique, right? So yeah. there's tiny little, you know, five foot three females that are doing orthopedic surgery. And that is much more, I think, physically yeah, demanding than yes, cardiac yes. surgery. And it's about technique. Yeah. And you just have to learn the right technique. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> And the more minimally invasive we become, the more robotic surgery we do, the more catheter skills we right. acquire. Mm. I think that some of our early hand-eye coordination and some of the maternal instincts that we have might prove to be an advantage, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We're still finding out all the advantages of exactly. putting women into these positions. So exactly. I do think it is making us better. Yeah, definitely. But it's also great that we have now, we are also including men in these conversations as well, right. yes. about women in cardiac surgery or cardiothoracic surgery. I was just in the meeting of uh, the German Society for Thoracic Surgeons, and there was uh, Dr. Dismay from the uh, UK, who was actually telling that eight times out of ten, he would choose a woman as a surgeon over a man. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's good, but we don't want to get too wonky no, with course, the right? way that we balance. In, at Mayo Clinic, we now have just as many women as right. men, so I really? don't invite the women over to my house anymore because yeah. we don't want to exclude exactly. the men. Right. Exactly. You don't want to do the very thing that you were set out to, no, no. to achieve. Right. You don't want to exclude any minorities. You don't want to exclude any women. You don't want to exclude anyone. The goal is just to take the best people, bring them right. in, encourage them, train them up, and send them out into the world. Yeah. Right. Sounds like a good way to end. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, thanks so much for joining us. This Thank is a great you. session at EACTS 2018 on women in cardiothoracic surgery. Thank you for listening to CTS Net to Go, your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTSNet by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTSNet Video, by following at CTSNet.org 
on Twitter or by liking CTS Net's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTS Net to Go. Have a great day.